I'll catch you at a break. Well, it's good to see you guys practicing what we're going to be talking about today already. Uh, today, we're going to be, again, looking at what it is to have a relationship with someone, and y'all are all enjoying your relationships with each other, so that's great. I have a question. How many of you know Steve Anastasia? Y'all don't know Steve? Oh, oh, there's a couple people. Well, you probably don't know Steve. Steve's actually my brother-in-law. He lives in Olean, New York, and, um, and so I know Steve, and Shelly and Caleb, they know Steve, but, but you don't, and, and my point is, is there's a lot of people in the world that uh, we don't know, that we don't have a relationship with, and there's some certain things you have to know about somebody in order to have a relationship with them, and so today we're going to be talking about that, what it is to, to know someone, how we know someone, and especially as we start to think about our relationship with God and, and how important it is to know God, to know who He is, what He's like, what He's done, and, and how that relationship affects us as we continue in our 3D journey today. We want to welcome you to First Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here. Uh, we are glad to those here at our, our Main Street campus. Uh, we have a favor to ask those of you here at Main Street, uh, particularly to help those at online campus. Um, we have been having some technical difficulties, and uh, our Wi-Fi, so if your device, uh, many of you have already set up your phones to connect to the Wi-Fi when you walk in the building, if you have done that, if you can take some time to get off the Wi-Fi today uh, so that we can hopefully figure out how to get our stream. We've been having some technical difficulties the last couple of weeks, and it might be too many people on our network while we're here in the building. So if you're, if you're here in person at, at Main Street, um, if you just unhook from our Wi-Fi today, we'd appreciate that as we're trying to work out some, some glitches that we've been having over the last couple of weeks. For those, we hope you're here at online right now. Um, if not, we are still recording, and we're uh, busy trying to get that taken care of. Most of the announcements are there in your uh, worship handout, the things that are going on this week. Uh, one quick one is youth is different today, 4.30, uh, meeting here at the church for a time at the corn maze, and then back here for hot chocolate and ice cream. Okay, hot chocolate and ice cream. Two great things that go great together. Um, so for youth today, remember that. Um, we want to encourage you about an upcoming event on the 12th called Stand Sunday. There's an event going on that evening at 6 o'clock. Is it 6 o'clock, Connie? I, I think it's 6 o'clock at uh, Trinity Point. If you want to know more about uh, how to help out foster care. And one of the things Connie really wanted me to point out, and she's right, is we're not all called to be foster parents. And, and, and not everybody can do that or should do that. 
But there is something everybody can do, uh, whether it's uh, being part of the gateway where we meet needs or being part of a care community where you deliver meals and just kind of look after a foster family any way you can or possibly fostering. So if you want to know more about that, uh, which is a great need in our community, we encourage you to, uh, to plan on going to that on November the 12th. Next, also on November the 12th, we're having our uh, Thanksgiving luncheon together. Next week after church, we're having our packing party uh, for doing the shoe boxes. So those are the upcoming events that we really want you to be aware of. Other than that, let's take some time to pray and dedicate ourselves and our time to the, to the Lord. We'll have our uh, minute for mission. Uh, we're featuring, I think, the IMB today, which is the International Mission Board. Then we'll have our scripture reading. We'll sing, our, we'll, uh, sing uh, and worship a bit, and then we'll uh, get into God's Word and focus on knowing God. So let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a time to, to settle down and to, to come before you, Lord, um, that it is crucial um, for us to spend time with you, um, to enjoy our relationship, to further our relationship, to experience our relationship with you, Father. Um, I think we should be overcome, Lord, that, that you desire to have this relationship with us. You've made it possible, and for that we're grateful. Um, today, as we continue to think about who you are and what you've done and how being in a relationship with you affects us, Lord, I pray that your spirit will be here, uh, that you will just help us to um, encounter you, to think about you rightly, to be challenged by who you are, to grow in our love and our dedication to you, um, that you'll be worshiped and praised today as we uh, uh, come and pray and as we sing and as we uh, just listen and worship you. Um, pray that you will be honored. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, we're the Harrington family, your IMB missionaries serving in Costa Rica. We serve with a ministry called Go Experience that helps to equip and mobilize Southern Baptists and Costa Rican Baptists toward deeper missions engagement. Over the past few years, we have observed an exciting shift in the teams that have been coming because they've been represented by multi-generational families who are stepping out and serving internationally. Every team that we've received this year has had at least one parent or grandparent along with their children serving together. It's a joy for us to see families, including grandparents, parents, teens, and children, sharing together, teaching, and serving alongside each other. This has been an encouragement to our national churches, and it reminds us that you're never too old or too young to be used by God. Every generation has an important role to play in the Great Commission. Please pray with us that God would raise up more workers to serve alongside of us here in Costa Rica. Also pray that God would fill us with his strength and wisdom as we seek him in our ministry and that we would not grow weary. We pray for both the U.S. and the Costa Rican churches we work alongside, that churches would grow in health and would continue multiplying. Thank you.
Um, before we pray, uh, one other note for the corn maze today. If it is raining, we're still meeting. We'll just meet downstairs and hang out and do some games and other activities. But we're still going to meet. We might just not go to the rainy corn maze. Um, but I'll, let me pray for this ministry. Uh, Lord, thank you again for um, just many, many, many men and women that go out and families go out and um, bring the good news to other countries, other other cultures. And we just thank you for the privilege of that. We thank you for this family here that has the opportunity to share the gospel through many generations, Lord, of families. We thank you for that representation. We thank you that you continue to show yourself to the multiple generations, Lord, there. Um, through grandparents, through parents, through children. We just thank you for that. And we pray for their workers. We pray for other workers that will come alongside this ministry in Costa Rica. We pray that you would just continue to bless their ministry, continue that they would have workers that would increase, that they could share the gospel and share the good news with others. We also pray for wisdom and how they handle certain situations in their country. And give them wisdom and what to do um, with the people that are coming to know Jesus. We pray that you give them strength, give them good health, and uh, continue to bless them and continue to be with the supporting churches that you just continue to bless them as they bless the missionaries in Costa Rica, Lord. We just thank you for the ministry that you've given them. I pray that you continue to walk beside them and encourage them this day. In Jesus' name, amen. For a scripture reading today, we're going to finish the book of Philippians. That means we'll be in chapter 4. I would encourage all Christians to even maybe print out verses 4 through 13 and read them over and over and over again on some kind of regular basis because there's so much help how to live a joyful life despite of the trouble that we face. Lots of advice in here, so we'll just read it, but I just wanted to point that out. You might want to note this. We're going to begin with verse 2 in Philippians 4. Paul writes to the church of Philippi and says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syndike to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now here comes that advice I was talking about. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but... In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, 
Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, your, uh, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yes, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus in the gifts you have sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, I pray that these words we would take to heart, that we would set our minds and hearts on the good things. Help us not to look at that glass half, full, half empty, but to look at it half full. Help us to be positive in our thoughts and to focus on what is good and get our mind away from those things that are not. Father, help us to worship you today. We can set our mind in you because you are good. You are right. Everything about you is perfect. So help us to set our heart and our mind and our focus on God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. You can stand with me as we continue our time of worship this morning. And as, as uh, Randy just read, it said in, in, in Philippians 4, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, right? And so we have many good things to rejoice in the Lord about and to praise Him about. For God is good. Amen? Oh, come on. So we're going to sing, as I, was, as I was preparing the music this week, I, I thought about um, one of the beautiful things we can sing about our Lord and praise Him for is uh, the fact that He is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so as we prepare for the Word this morning, we're going to, we're going to praise Him for being three in one, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let us sing, first off, to our Father, how deep the Father's love.
Jesus. 
Back in February, we started this journey we call 3D Disciples, where we're working together to develop disciples who display God's love as we deploy into God's world. We're in our sixth chapter in our manual, um, where we're starting to talk about being in a relationship with God. It's actually page 72 where we're going to be at today, and we're not going to be reading in John 14. Um, so, if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 40, that's the first place we're going to start. We're going to do quite a bit of Bible reading today um, as we think about what it is to be in a relationship with God. Uh, the, the kind of the topic that we're talking about today is this word, behold, um, and what that means. I think it's good. It helps us understand um, what it is to be a disciple. Uh, as we, or what it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, when we couch it all in terms of a relationship. That, that we talked about this last week, how, you know, God wants to be with us. He wants to have us in a right relationship with us, and He wants to be in close proximity to, to us. He wants to live with us. We're talking about the Spirit of God indwelling us. And, and I hope you did. I, I know this week I made a much more concerted effort to just tell myself over and over at different times of the day throughout the week, you're here. You're here with me. You know, and, and, and it really did uh, have quite an effect on, on me. Um, and, but also as we acknowledge that God is with us, we need to take time to think about who it is that's with us. And it's not just God is with us, but, but, but who it is. I asked you at the beginning if you know who Steve Anastasia is, and there's only a couple of people in my family who know who Steve is. You don't. But as soon as I thought about Steve, I thought of kind of three things, and these are the three things we're going to look at today. You know, I thought about just kind of who Steve is, his personality, his characteristics, you know, the, the man that I know him to be. Uh, he's much more quiet and reserved and, and, than I am and just kind of goes with the flow. Um, and, uh, but then I thought about the things he does. You know, he's, uh, he's the uh, athletic director at, his, uh, at Olean High School. He used to be a football coach, and he and I both share a passion for the outdoors together. Um, and so that's what he does. And then, of course, I think about what it means to have a relationship with Steve, my brother-in-law, to, to, that, that we like each other and we enjoy being with each other and, and how my life is better because I know he's part of my family and I'm part of his family and just kind of the effects of that relationship. And so those are kind of the things we're going to be looking at today. But I, I want to talk just briefly about this word, behold, 
uh, because I had written it down, and, and originally the idea here was to kind of go back all the way, if you can remember, all the way back to chapter 1, the very first thought we had when we started what it is to be a disciple, we started with reverence, to think about God and to behold or, or consider who God is. And so that's what I had originally kind of was going to work out here with this idea of behold, to, to take a moment, and we're going to do this to just, just to see God. But I want to talk a little bit about the actual word because this word is used an awful lot in the Bible. Uh, we have chosen the e, uh, English Standard Version to kind of be the Bible we work from. It's our pew Bible. It's the Bible that we read from on Sunday mornings as we read the Scriptures together. In that version, the word behold is translated almost a thousand times. Uh, I mean, and starting early on in Genesis all the way through Revelation, it is used over and over in the Bible nearly a thousand times. I had started out good this week, and I, and I was going to read every one of those nearly thousand verses uh, where, to, to where it said, Behold, I didn't quite make it. That's a lot of verses, <laughs> a lot of verses. Um, I think I made it as far as like 2 Samuel, and I finally like, whoo, that's a lot. Most of the time, the word is simply used to draw attention to an act. Um, like it's, it's really used over and over to like pay attention to this, pay attention to this. Uh, I, I want you to see this. Uh, sometimes it's used for the actual physical act of looking like, when I beheld them, I looked at them, I saw them. It's used that way too. But, but by, by, by and large, it's used just with this idea to pay attention. Or like if you were having a common, uh, a common conversation with somebody, you might like, hey, check this out. Check out what happened. You know? and, and that's how it's used quite often in the Bible. But it is used in these three senses that we're going to talk about today as we talk about beholding God. When we think about behold, to, to see who God is. We're going to see what God does, and then we're going to think about seeing the effect that, of knowing God or being in a relationship with God. Because this is the chapter. This is we're in the relationship with the, uh, we're in the living in a relationship with God chapter. And the truth of the matter is relationships need maintaining, require maintaining. If you don't keep your relationship up, you won't have one. You know, they don't just... There's, there's something that has to be worked on. And part of that is admiring and thinking about the person that you're relating to. The, so the idea here in chapter 6 is this behold that we're talking about here is the sense of recognizing God or, or seeing God for who He is. So that we'll be more enamored, more awed by Him, overcome by the person that He is. Because it's really hard to have a relationship with someone that you're unaware of. Until this morning, none of you had probably ever heard the name Steve Anastasia. You didn't have a relationship with someone that you don't know anything about. And if we don't know anything about God, we won't have a relationship with Him either. And as we think about God and we think about the people we have relationships with, we grow to appreciate that relationship a little bit more. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to... Uh, kind of prompt, and really I'm just going to let the scriptures, because this is really difficult in some ways to, to, to encapsulate what, we're, what it is to know God. And so all I can do is read to you about God and let God speak for himself. 
We call the Bible the revelation of God. That is God revealing himself to us. You know, and so God wants us to know him, and so he's shown himself to us in the scriptures. And so we're going to read several passages today. I'm going to try to read them at, at, a, at a slower pace, and I really want you to just listen or read along, follow along, and think about what this is telling us about God. And so the first behold is we're going to see who you are, or we're going to see who God is and how, how he's revealed to himself. This is in Isaiah 40. We're going to start with verse 9. As we move on, we'll turn to some other verses, and I'll give you time to turn to those so you can either read along in your Bible or you can follow along on the screen if you'd like. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. See who God is in these verses. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald the good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arms rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, who, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands with like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offerings. All the nations are nothing before him, and they are accounted by him as less than nothing. And emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? And what likeness compares with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness." Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their, stem, uh, their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? What should I be like? Verse 25, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. 
He who brings out the host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because of his strong and power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right, right is disregarded by my God? Have you not heard? Known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creators of the end of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to the him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Behold your God. See, when we sing, you know, uh, how, you know, an awesome God, you know, we're not joking. And sometimes we just need to stop and just really take a moment to think about who it is we're relating to. Be overcome by his majesty and his power and his awesomeness. There are just really no words in human language to describe who he is. And the best we can do is so much less than who he is. Behold your God. See him. The interesting thing is the Bible actually teaches us that God also sees us. There's a couple of verses in Exodus 32.9. And he said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. <laughs> He's like, look, these guys are stubborn. In Deuteronomy 9.13 it says, furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stubborn people. And it is so interesting that when we think about seeing who God is and seeing ourselves as we are, that those two don't go together. You know, why does he want to have a relationship with us? That I cannot answer. The love of God, the compassion of God, it's who he is. He sees us and he still desires to be in a relationship with us. And that is a great blessing. And we need to make sure we give plenty of time to appreciate who he is by seeing him. The next part of having a relationship with someone, first you kind of see who they are, how they are, their characteristics. But then you see what they do. What they, so we're going to look at some verses and we see what they have done or what they are doing or what they will do. Uh, I'm going to read a number of verses before. You can go ahead and start turning to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to read that at length here in a minute. But, you know, what we do is a huge part of who we are. A lot of people, that's actually how they identify. You know, I am, like people, as you know, they cannot introduce me to somebody without telling people what I do. He's the preacher or he's the pastor. And, uh, and now it's funny, people, I've said that so many times that people say, I know you don't want me to say this, but then they go ahead and say it anyway. 
And so it's, it's funny, but we, so many of us identify, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I, 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 whatever, I'm a truck driver. I, we are defined often by what we do. And I just want to read a couple of these verses so you get a flavor, because this is often how the word behold, and we're told over and over in the scriptures to see what God has done. And again, just, I think it's important to realize this is the revelation of God. We're going to read from Revelation chapter 4 in a minute together. But this is God revealing himself by what he does. Like Genesis 1.29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit that you have them for food. So, hey, look what I've done for you. Genesis 9.9, Behold, I will establish my covenant with you and your offspring. God says, look, we're going to be in this relationship with each other early on. Genesis 28, 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you whenever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you. I have done what I have promised. Exodus 3, 23, 20, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I prepared. Exodus 34, And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant before all the people, and I will do marvel so as... Uh, such as have not been cre- uh, been created in all the earth for any for or in any nation, all and all the people among you shall see the work of the Lord and see how awesome the thing I will do with you. Deuteronomy one ten. The Lord God has multiplied you, and behold, you are to today as numerous as the stars. Again, Deuteronomy nine six. And I looked, and behold, you have sinned against your Lord, and you made yourselves a golden calf. And First Samuel three eleven. Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm about to do a new thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that's about where I got tired of reading all the beholds. But over and over and over, this whole idea is God is showing us himself by what he does, what he's done, and what he promises to do. And and that's a very important part of who he is. So we're going to read together Revelation 4. Starting with verse 1. And this ends with what God's done. And it sets up, we praise him for what he's done. So starting with verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the verse 4, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he, was, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carillion. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne was 24 thrones. And seated on the, 20, on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings. And peals of thunder. Before the throne were the burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, there was as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, all are full of eyes all around within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, whoever lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Our praise for God really stems from what He's done. He has created all things, and all things exist because they were created by Him. That's what He's done. The reason there is something is because God wanted there to be something. It reminds me of Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 18 and 20. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, by whom their own unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because He's shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of of the world and these things that have been made so that they are without excuse. All that is is because God said, let it be. That is who we're in the relationship with. The God who creates with his word, with his mouth, with his thought that is so far beyond us. That's what he does. And finally, as we think about being in a relationship, we have to know who they are. We have to know what they do. But the thing about it is you can know somebody. You can know who they are. You can have some idea what they're like. And you can know what they do and still not be in relationship with them. The, the truth of a relationship is how you're affected by knowing and that person by knowing who they are and what they do. The, 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 the real metal of a relationship is how it's affected by you. There are people who know who God is. There are people who know what God has done, but they're completely unaffected by that. They, they don't give it a second. They don't let it be part of their life. And so really the measure of our discipleship, really the whole point of it is to be affected by who God is, and what God does. That is the, the, where the rubber meets the road in a relationship. So we can know somebody and still be completely unaffected by it. Isaiah chapter 6, though, we get to, we're going to read three different passages. We're going to start with Isaiah 6. And just see when, when, when the prophet recognizes who he's, whose presence he's in, how he's affected by it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, interesting the same image that we read in, in Revelation, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two they covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Not only did they recognize who God was and what he's done, but the the prophet's affected by that tremendously as he recognizes and he takes time to perceive whose presence he's in. Another one, if you want to turn back to Revelation chapter 6, you're getting your Bible drills in this morning. This is a little later on in the same passage that we just read. We're still in the throne room of heaven. But we're again going to see as the people have recognized, as the, as the elders have fallen down in worship and they called out, you know, that you have created all things. It picks up a little later in this idea of Revelation chapter 6, verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which, were, had the, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four, 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are for the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to, call, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain in your body and and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We're overcome by, by knowing who God is to, to give him glory and honor and might and blessing. So worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. All these reactions from us to who he is and worship and praise and honor and dedication to the, to the one who was slain for us. This is a proper reaction uh, that he deserves, that he is worthy. And finally, one of my favorite little passages, I'm going to invite you to turn to Job chapter 42. If you know the story of Job, Job has a very long encounter with God. And, and throughout the book, he talks about who God is over and over. Talks about uh, the character of God and, and, how, and who he knows God to be. He talks about all the things that God's done, and, and he, he sees that. 
Uh, and he's still struggling with that. And, and, and really the book of Job is, is Job fleshing out, understanding who God is and, and realizing at the end of it, he still didn't quite get it. He, you know, he, he could talk about who God was and he could talk about what God had done, but he still didn't quite recognize who God was until God really comes to him and reveals himself. And I just want to, in Job chapter 42, starting with verse 1, it just encapsulate Job's reaction to that. The effect of Job finally really getting to understand who God was. Verse 1, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is it that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you, you make it known to me. I have heard you by hearing, and I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Now I've beheld you. Therefore, I despise myself. And I repent in dust and ashes. And Job said, like, I've, I've heard all this. Uh, I've been taught these things. I've heard by the ear. But finally, I get to behold you. And I will not say anything else again. I'll shut my mouth now. Thank you very much. And so in knowing somebody, we have to know who they are, what they've done, and then really consider, do I have a relationship with them? Am I affected by knowing them? Does it change me? Does it affect me? Does it add to my life? And so I want to just give you a really simple, active discipleship. We've read a number of verses about who God is, like there is no other God before him. We've looked at the things he's done, that all things exist because he wanted them to exist. And we've seen the reactions of the, of the seraphim in heaven, these heavenly creatures who call out to one another, holy, 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 that the saints that are there around the throne uh, prostrate themselves before him and worship him, that all the earth and everything above the earth and in the earth and below the earth will cry out, holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb, right? And we've seen the, the experiences of even one like us, Job, you know, because we've heard, and we've been taught, we've heard it with our ear, but taking time to really see God and behold Him is really important. So, so here's your active discipleship. You can do this either right here on your page 72. If you if you need if you got space to take notes, you can do it in the back of your manual. Some of the blank pages in the back of your manual. I would encourage you to do this and put it somewhere to keep because I think this is really important. Simply write to God. And like I said, I think it's easy to count everything we do as disciples in a relationship. And, and there's a dying art of writing a good old-fashioned love letter. Uh, some, of the, some of our greatest historical things are, are the letters that people wrote from battlefields to their loved ones, right? And that's a, a dying art because, well, we can just text them now, Right? So take time to write to God. Write God a love letter. And consider your life very carefully 
and what you know about God. And answer three questions. Lord, this is who I know you to be. Who do you know God to be? Not who your mama or your daddy or your grandparents told you God was. Not what any preacher has ever told you God was. You have a relationship with God. Who do you know him to be? Because you've experienced it. What have you seen him do? This is what I know you have done, God. I've seen you do this, and I have seen you do this, and I've experienced you doing this. I know you've promised to do this. Your own personal experiences. And then finally, consider very deeply how you are personally affected by knowing God. Because I know you, this is, how, this is the effect it has on me. This is what it makes me feel like. This is how I experience you. This is, this is what makes it matter. So just take time this week to think very, very deeply about who God is. What you know about him. What you've seen him do. And how your relationship with him affects your life. Does it make a difference or doesn't it? This is how, this is the person that we're in a relationship with. This is the person we're expecting to expend eternity with. That one day we will get to join that throng of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And we will get to see him face to face finally. But and now let us appreciate who it is that we love and serve and relate to. Behold your God. Stand with me as we close this morning and as we just take in, behold, our God, let us not shortchange the fact that this is a relationship that God started that we don't deserve, and it's a relationship with a holy, righteous, almighty God that should just cause us to be humble. Um, I don't know, as I was, I was sitting there, and as we've been walking through the scriptures with the students this year on campus, we've been going with the theme of Behold Our God, and uh, just reflecting upon the fact that so often we live life like we have it all in our hands, and the reality is we serve an almighty God, that sometimes we just need to stop and go, Behold you want a relationship with me, and you're this awesome, righteous God. So let us close this morning with this great song, Behold Our God, and let us just worship him and thank him for the relationship that he initiated that we don't deserve, but is the greatest gift ever. Behold our God.
God's people said, Amen.